"'It is his right!' echoed the voices of a score of warriors in various parts of the chamber. "'That Otar is a coward and a liar I can prove,' continued Igos. "'He said that he faced bravely the horrors of the chamber of Omai and saw nothing of a slave Turan. I was there, hiding behind the hangings, and I saw all that transpired. Turan had been hiding in the chamber, and was even then lying upon the couch of Omai when Otar, trembling with fear, entered the room. Turan, disturbed, arose to a sitting position at the same time, voicing a piercing shriek. Otar screamed and swooned. It is a lie, cried Otar. It is not a lie, and I can prove it, retorted Igos. It's noticed the night that he returned from the chambers of Omai, and was boasting of his exploit, that when he would summon slaves to bring wine, he reached for his dagger to strike the gong with its pommel, as is always his custom? Didst note that any of you, and that he had no dagger? Otar, where is the dagger that you carried into the chamber of Omai? You do not know, but I know. While you lay in the swoon of terror, I took it from your harness and hid it among the sleeping silks upon the couch of Omai. There it is even now, and if any doubt it, let them go thither, and there they will find it and know the cowardice of their jeddak. But what of this impostor? demanded one. Shall he stand with impunity upon the throne of Manator whilst we squabble about our ruler? It is through his bravery that you have learned the cowardice of Otar, replied Igos, and through him you will be given a greater jeddak. We will choose our own jeddak, Seize and slay the slave! There were cries of approval from all parts of the room. Gahan was listening intently, as though for some hoped-for sound. He saw the warriors approaching the dais, where he now stood with drawn sword and with one arm about Tara of Helium. He wondered if his plans had miscarried after all. If they had, it would mean death for him and he knew that Tara would take her life if he fell. Had he then served her so futilely after all his efforts? Several warriors were urging the necessity for sending at once to the chamber of Omai to search for the dagger that would prove, if found, the cowardice of Otar. At least three consented to go. You need not fear, Igos assured them. There is not there to harm you. I have been there often of late, and Turan the slave has slept there for these many nights. The screams and moans that frightened you and Otar were voiced by Turan to drive you away from his hiding place. Shamefacedly, the three left the apartment to search for Otar's dagger. And now the others turned their attention once more to Gahan. They approached the throne with bared swords, but they came slowly, for they had seen this slave upon the field of Jitan, and they knew the prowess of his arm. They had reached the foot of the steps when from far above there sounded a deep boom, and another, and another, 
and Turan smiled and breathed a sigh of relief. Perhaps, after all, it had not come too late. The warrior stopped and listened, as did the others in the chamber. Now there broke upon their ears a loud rattle of musketry, and it all came from above as though men were fighting upon the roofs of the palace. "'Where is it?' they demanded one of the other. "'A great storm has broken over Manator,' said one. "'Mind not the storm until you have slain the creature who dares stand upon the throne of your Jeddak," demanded Otar. "'Seize him!' Even as he ceased speaking, the arras behind the throne parted, and a warrior stepped forth upon the dais. An exclamation of surprise and dismay broke from the lips of the warriors of Otar. "'Uthor!' they cried. "'What treason is this?' "'It is no treason,' said Uthor in his deep voice. "'I bring you a new jeddak for all of Manator. No lying paltroon, but a courageous man whom you all love.' He stepped aside, and another emerged from the corridor hidden by the arras. It was Acor, and at sight of him there rose exclamations of surprise, of pleasure, and of anger, as the various factions recognized the coup d'etat that had been arranged so cunningly. Behind Acor came other warriors until the dais was crowded with them, all men of Manator from the city of Manatos. Otar was exhorting his warriors to attack when a bloody and disheveled padwar burst into the chamber through a side entrance. "'The city has fallen!' he cried aloud. "'The hordes of Manatos pour through the gate of enemies. The slaves from Gaithal have arisen and destroyed the palace guards. Great ships are landing warriors upon the palace roof and in the fields of Jitan. The men of Helium and Gaithal are marching through Manator. They cry aloud for the princess of Helium, and swear to leave Manator a blazing funeral pyre, consuming the bodies of all our people. The skies are black with ships. They come in great processions from the east and from the south. And then once more the doors from the Hall of Chiefs swung wide open, and the men of Manator turned to see another figure standing upon the threshold a mighty figure of a man with white skin and black hair and gray eyes that glittered now like points of steel, and behind him the hall of chiefs was filled with fighting men wearing the harness of far countries. Tara of Helium saw him, and her heart leaped in exultation, for it was John Carter, warlord of Barsoom, come at the head of a victorious host to the rescue of his daughter, and at his side was Dior Cantos, to whom she had been betrothed. The warlord eyed the assemblage for a moment before he spoke. "'Lay down your arms, men of Manator,' he said. "'I see my daughter, and that she lives, and if no harm has befallen her, no blood may be shed. Your city is filled with the fighting men of Uthor and those from Gaithal and from Helium. The palace is in the hands of the slaves from Gaithal, beside a thousand of my own warriors who fill the halls and chambers surrounding this room. The fate 
of your jeddak lies in your own hands. I have no wish to interfere. I come only for my daughter and to free the slaves from Gathol. I have spoken, and without waiting for a reply, and as though the room had been filled with his own people, rather than a hostile band, he strode up the broad main aisle toward Tara of Helium. The chiefs of Manator were stunned. They looked to Otar, but he could only gaze helplessly about him as the enemy entered from the Hall of Chiefs and circled the throne room until they had surrounded the entire company, and then a dwar of the army of Helium entered. "'We have captured three chiefs,' he reported to the warlord, who begged that they be permitted to enter the throne room and report to their fellows some matter which they say will decide the fate of Manator. Fetch them, ordered the warlord. They came, heavily guarded, to the foot of the steps leading to the throne, and there they stopped, and the leader turned toward the others of Manator, and raising high his right hand, displayed a jeweled dagger. We found it, he said, even where Igos said that we would find it, and he looked menacingly upon Otar. Acor, Jeddak of Manator, cried a voice, and the cry was taken up by a hundred hoarse-throated warriors. There can be but one Jeddak in Manator, said the chief who held the dagger. His eyes still fixed upon the hapless Otar, he crossed to where the latter stood, and holding the dagger upon an outstretched palm, proffered it to the discredited ruler. There can be but one Jeddak in Manator, he said meaningly. Otar took the proffered blade, and drawing himself to his full height, plunged it to the guard into his breast, in that single act redeeming himself in the esteem of his people, and winning an eternal place in the Hall of Chiefs. As he fell, all was silence in the great room, to be broken presently by the voice of Uthar. "'Otar is dead!' he cried. "'Let Akor rule until the chiefs of all Manator may be summoned to choose a new Jeddak. What is your answer?' "'Let Akor rule! Akor, Jeddak of Manator!' The cries filled the room, and there was no dissenting voice." Acor raised his sword for silence. It is the will of Acor, he said, and that of the great Jed of Manatos, and the commander of the fleet from Gathol, and of the illustrious John Carter, warlord of Barsoom, that peace lie upon the city of Manator, and so I decree that the men of Manator go forth and welcome the fighting men of these our allies, as guests and friends, and show them the wonders of our ancient city and the hospitality of Manator. I have spoken. And Uthor and John Carter dismissed their warriors and bade them accept the hospitality of Manator. As the room emptied, Dior Kantos reached the side of Tara of Helium. The girl's happiness at rescue had been blighted by sight of this man whom her virtuous heart told her she had wronged. 
she dreaded the ordeal that lay before her, and the dishonor that she must admit before she could hope to be freed from the understanding that had for long existed between them. And now Dior Cantos approached, and kneeling, raised her fingers to his lips. "'Beautiful daughter of Helium,' he said, "'how may I tell you the thing that I must tell you, of the dishonor that I have all unwittingly done you? I can but throw myself upon your generosity for forgiveness. But if you demand it, I can receive the dagger as honorably as did Otar.' "'What do you mean?' asked Tara of Helium. "'What are you talking about? Why speak thus in riddles to one whose heart is already breaking?' "'Her heart already breaking? The outlook was anything but promising, and the young Padwar wished that he had died before ever he had had to speak the words he must now speak. "'Tara of Helium,' he continued, "'we all thought you dead.' For a long year have you been gone from Helium. I mourned you truly, and then, less than a moon since, I wed with Olvia Marthus. He stopped, and looked at her with eyes that might have said, Now strike me dead. Oh, foolish man, cried Tara. Nothing you could have done could have pleased me more. Dio or Contos, I could kiss you. I do not think that Olvia Marthus would mind, he said, his face now wreathed with smiles. As they spoke, a body of men had entered the throne room and approached the dais. They were tall men, trapped in plain harness, absolutely without ornamentation. Just as their leader reached the dais, Tara had turned to Gahan, motioning him to join them. Diorakantos, she said, I bring you Turan the Panthon, whose loyalty and bravery have won my love. John Carter and the leader of the new-come warriors who were standing near looked quickly at the little group. The former smiled an inscrutable smile. The latter addressed the Princess of Helium. Turon the Panthon, he cried, know you not, fair daughter of Helium, that this man you call Panthon is Gahan? Jed of Gathol? For just a moment Tara of Helium looked her surprise, and then she shrugged her beautiful shoulders as she turned her head to cast her eyes over one of them at Gahan of Gathol. Jed or Panthon, she said, what difference does it make what one's slave has been? And she laughed roguishly into the smiling face of her lover. His story finished, John Carter rose from the chair opposite me, stretching his giant frame like some great forest-bred lion. "'You must go,' I cried, for I hated to see him leave, and it seemed that he had been with me but a moment. "'The sky is already red beyond those beautiful hills of yours,' he replied, "'and it will soon be day.' "'Just one more question before you go,' I begged. "'Well?' he assented good-naturedly. "'How was Gahan able to enter the throne room garbed in Otar's trappings?' I asked. "'It was simple, for Gahan of Gathol,' replied the warlord. "'With the assistance of Igos, 
he crept into the hall of chiefs before the ceremony, while the throne room and hall of chiefs were vacated to receive the bride. He came from the pits, through the corridor that opened behind the arras at the rear of the throne, and passing into the hall of chiefs, took his place upon the back of a riderless thoat, whose warrior was in Igos' repair room. When Otar entered, and came near him, Gahan fell upon him and struck him with the butt of a heavy spear. He thought that he had killed him, and was surprised when Otar appeared to denounce him. "'And Gek! What became of Gek?' I insisted. After leading Baldor and Floron to Tara's disabled flyer, which they repaired, he accompanied them to Gaithal, from where a message was sent to me in Helium. He then led a large party, including Acor and Uthor, from the roof, where our ships landed them, down a spiral runway into the palace, and guided them to the throne room. We took him back to Helium with us, where he still lives, with his single Rykor, which we found all but starved to death in the pits of Manator. But come, no more questions now. I accompanied him to the East Arcade, where the red dawn was glowing beyond the arches. Goodbye, he said. I can scarce believe that it is really you, I exclaimed. Tomorrow I will be sure that I have dreamed all this. He laughed, and drawing his sword, scratched a rude cross upon the concrete of one of the arches. If you are in doubt tomorrow, he said, come and see if you dreamed this. A moment later he was gone. This is the end of The Chessmen of Mars. Recording by Tom Weiss.